Okay, everybody got their hand out. If you didn't get one, slip your hand up. Someone will get you one. Hold your hand up high. Brother Matt will get you one. Okay, while we're getting that up there, for those of you who were here last week, if you have your lesson, you want the answers to the last point, I'll just review that real quickly. Uh, last week we talked about the wonderful grace of Jesus and gave New Testament examples of God's grace. The week before that we gave Old Testament examples, so thank God for all these great examples of God's grace. And we found out uh, that Paul said everything was, that was written was written for our example. So we saw Jesus' amazing grace to sinners. Thank the Lord for that. Talked about the four wicked women. And uh, then we saw Jesus' example uh, to sinful men. Talked about four wicked men. That was the last one we talked about. And then Jesus' amazing grace to his servants. And then lastly, Jesus' amazing grace to those who suffer. And so we tried to put all the things we talked about, those four points of grace, into that lesson. And Jesus had compassion for the lost multitude. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, he looked on the multitudes. He was moved with compassion on them. And thank God when Jesus sees lost people, multitudes, anybody who's in need, he's moved with compassion on them. And then we saw his example of healing the sick uh, over and over again. Jesus, the Bible says Jesus healed the sick because he had compassion on them. Uh, he did it, yes, because he could. He did it because he was God, but... And he had the power, but he did it because he has compassion. So thank God Jesus is still in the healing business. And uh, he heals. He heals of cancer. He heals of uh, coronavirus. He, he heals of so many diseases. I wouldn't be standing here if Jesus didn't he heal. You wouldn't be sitting here if Jesus didn't heal, heal you. Some, sometime in your life, Jesus has healed us. And then lastly, that great example we already looked at, but to remind us his example of his sufficient grace to endure all of our situations in life. If he doesn't heal us, he gives us sufficient grace to endure it. And uh, if we didn't get that job, he gives us sufficient grace to endure it. If we're lonely, sick, poor, whatever we're going through, God's grace is sufficient. So thank the Lord for that. And then brings us to our... Awesome lesson today, from, not because I'm teaching, because it's from the Bible. So thank the Lord for the lesson today is growing, growing grace, growing in grace. And you know, we, we're going to see that in our text, I think it's up there. Uh, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to him be glory now and forever. So the Bible says to grow in grace. And the question is, how do we Grow in grace. How do you do that? Most of you probably know the answer to that, but we'll look at some things. I think the Bible instructs us today. Uh, but if you want to write this down in your notes, if you've got a pen and taking notes, or just listen to this great verse from Peter, you can look it up yourself in a moment. But it sort of summarizes everything we've been talking about. First Peter 5.10 says, it's, Peter says, that God is the God of all grace. <clears throat> That's an amazing thought. Just think of that just for a second. He's the God of all grace. There's nothing outside God's grace. And uh, so we'll see that what motivates God's grace, but uh, 
Thank God that uh, everything God does is by grace. Even things we think are bad are God's grace. Even things we think are terrible, <coughs> uh, if God did it, it was his grace that did it. Uh, God knows best, and he did it for his glory. So number one, we grow in grace by knowing more about Jesus. Our text says we know about our Lord and Savior. We know more about Jesus. And uh, Brother Jesse mentioned talking to Muslims. I've met so many nice Muslims. I've met some Muslims that are nicer than most Christians I run across. <laughs> I've met Christians who were upset that we were at their door and Muslims that were glad we were at their door. <laughs> uh, go figure. <laughs> it's like I know I've told Luke this story before, but years ago when I wasn't as tactful as I am now, I was out soul winning in Bellflower where I was associate pastor and knocked on a lady's door and she said, I go to the First Baptist Church, and I don't think you ought to be out knocking on people's doors. And I said, well, I see you really have the joy of the Lord. So, <laughs> so sadly, many Muslims seem like they have joy of the Lord and some, some Christians. But the truth is, uh, Muslims do not have grace. They cannot have grace. Because you cannot have grace without knowing Jesus. It's impossible. They may uh, look like they've got grace. It may seem like they've got grace. They've got some maybe characteristics of grace. But you can't have grace unless you know Jesus. That's why uh, some people are just hard to get along with. They don't know Jesus. That's why some marriages have problems. Because somebody doesn't know Jesus. And if we don't know Jesus, we can't have grace. I've known Jesus for 47 years, and it's still sometimes difficult to have grace. But the grace that I do have is because I know Jesus. And so it's impossible to have grace without knowing Jesus. And one of my devotions I'm reading said this. I wrote it down so appropriate. Those who know they need it, know it best. <laughs> Those who know they need grace, know it best. And for those of us who know how much we need grace, uh, we appreciate that grace. And we, we understand it best, don't we? And we, uh, we want other people to know that grace. So our text says grace and knowledge go together. Grace and knowledge go together. You can't have one without the other. You can't have grace without knowing Jesus. It just comes together. And Jesus is the epitome of grace. We've already talked about that. We'll see it again in a, in a moment. He's full of grace and truth. So the more I know about Jesus, the more I know about grace. It's like the, once again this week, it's, it's amazing the people who tell you they're good. <laughs> Usually people tell you the good is it's so obvious they're not good. <laughs> they're either strung out on drugs or got an alcohol problem or, or just curse their kids out or something, but I had another person tell me they were good this week, a man, and, I, and uh, uh, he was about half drunk, and, and he, was, he was good. He was a good drunk, though. <laughs> and I said, the reason why you think you good, you're good is because you've never compared yourself to the one who is good. <laughs> you've never compared yourself to the one who's perfect. And boy, he got it. I mean, he, he understood that. <laughs> so, whoa, you're right. 
So uh, when, we, when we see Jesus, uh, his perfect grace, uh, and if I were to stand up here and tell you I have grace, when I start thinking about Jesus, I say, woe is me. I, I, I don't have grace, <coughs> certainly not like I should. So uh, they go together. Next bullet, because Jesus is grace and truth, we must have his fullness. John 1.16 says, we must have the fullness of Jesus. And, of course, we t- that simply means we are full of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Bible says be full of the Holy Spirit. So many places. And John 14.17 uh, says, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, for he dwelleth in you. Because uh, Jesus' Spirit dwells within us, we can be full of grace. We have to be full of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's in control, uh, grace is in control. When we're not walking in the Spirit, the flesh is in control. And that's why we need to be filled with the Spirit. And those of us who, who know what the Bible teaches, and then those of us who experience it, we know we can be filled with the Spirit this morning, and uh, by this afternoon, we need another filling of the Holy Spirit, don't we? Uh, so we don't, uh, we don't believe you can lose the Holy Spirit, but we do believe that, that we can grieve the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will not be working in his life like he would if we were yielded to the Holy Spirit. Next, we grow in grace by knowing the power of Jesus. As we already taught a lesson on that, uh, we receive grace. Grace is a gift. We receive grace by God's power. We cannot manufacture grace. I preached last Sunday morning. We cannot manufacture joy. Uh, it's, it's of God. We cannot make ourselves have joy. We cannot manufacture our joy. We can laugh and smile, but that is not... Man, that, is, that is not necessarily a fact that we have joy. Only God can give joy. Only God can give grace. And by God's power, he gives us grace. So when we know the power of the resurrection, Paul said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And there's a whole lesson there. We sing songs about it. We know the doctrinal truth. But the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us, as the song says. And so... If, if there's power to raise Jesus from the grave, surely there's power to give us grace. <clears throat> surely there's power to help us to be graceful people and to be people that are full of grace and, and gracious to others and show that grace to others. And I promise you, at least in my experience of 47 years of being a Christian, if I did not have the power of Jesus, I could not have grace. There's no way I could have grace. It takes the power of Jesus. It's the power of Jesus to have grace, just like it does to get a miracle to answer prayer, just like it does to, to tell someone about Jesus. It takes Jesus' power for us to have grace. So <clears throat> the problem with our world is <clears throat> over three-quarters of our world do not know Jesus, so <clears throat> how can they have grace? <laughs> the problem with Christians are <clears throat> most of them don't know enough about Jesus to have grace. And the problem with those who do know, we're not filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. So that's why it's dangerous to be around people. <laughs> that's why we're taking a chance on coming to church today, getting our feelings hurt. <laughs> we're taking a chance on somebody giving us an ugly look. We're taking a chance about somebody gossiping about us. 
We're taking a chance of somebody criticizing the preacher's sermon. We're taking the chance of somebody just not being kind because most Christians are not filled with the Holy Spirit and you can't have grace without being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a continual moment by moment thing. That was too much preaching, so I got to go on. <laughs> we grow in grace by following Jesus. We grow in grace by following Jesus. It's a great verse, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us, etc. So we follow Jesus, and we follow Jesus. Then we see the love of Jesus. We see the grace of Jesus. We see the kindness of Jesus. And we see the life of Jesus. And uh, this is a whole other subject. Pastor Luke may be continuing this another time. But sometimes we think that grace means that uh, we just roll over and die. But even when Jesus preached to the Pharisees, even when Jesus called them out, when we study that, he said, you hypocrites, you're going to hell, you're taking people to hell, <clears throat> you love the upper seats, <clears throat> you love to be praised by man, he, and he just let them have it. <clears throat> and the carnal person would read that and say, that wasn't grace, but it was grace. He called them out because he had grace. And, and the reason why he was calling him out, them out, because his disciples were listening to this. And Jesus said, listen to what they say, but don't do what they do. That was grace. So sometimes grace is in the form of telling our children no. <laughs> sometimes grace is in the, in the form of standing up and preaching it and saying you're going to go to hell if you don't receive it. But the world though, doesn't understand that. Carnal Christians don't understand that. They just think grace is you know, <clears throat> just a wonderful thing. You don't ever offend anybody. You never you know, preach. You never stand for right. You never have convictions. Uh, homosexual would think we don't have grace because we would say it's sin. It's grace to tell them that. It's grace to warn them. It's like I told the young lady last night. She, we, uh, Pastor Luke's son, uh, Joseph and I went to a Buddhist colony last night. I mean, it was, it was just like we went on a Buddhist mission trip last night. Everybody we talked to was Buddhist. And had a young girl that uh, just you know, said, I'm a Buddhist. And I said, well, I'm telling you this because Jesus told me to tell you he loved you. Uh, Jesus told me to tell you he died on the cross. Uh, Buddha didn't die on the cross. Muhammad didn't die on the cross. And uh, I said, I'm telling you this because uh, I love you and Jesus loves you. That's grace. Grace is telling people like it is. Amen. That's what grace, that's what grace does. It tells it like it is. So... Again, the world doesn't understand that, but we do, don't we? When we understand the Bible, when we look at the life of Jesus and we say, what's a picture of grace? Telling it like it is. Uh, and then dying for the same people you just told it like it was. <laughs> That's grace. Uh, dying for the people you just said that you're a homosexual, but I'll die for you. You're an adulterer, but I die for you. You're wicked, but I'll die for you. That's grace, isn't it? Thank God for our Savior, who's full of grace. Thank you, Jesus. So we follow Jesus. <clears throat> and uh, by the way, that's what soul winning is really about. Jesus said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men in Matthew 4, 19. Soul winning is just 
showing grace. It's, Jesus showed us grace, and if he showed us grace, who are we not to show other people grace? So winning is saying, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Let me tell you what happened in my life. We'll play, play another song about that in just a moment. But we'll get in the verse, second point, then we'll take a break somewhere and play a song. Okay, here's another little thought, if you want to put it in your mind or notes. Uh, the more we know, the more we grow. <laughs> the more we know that is about Jesus, the more we know, the more we grow. So let's be students of Jesus. Let's be followers of Jesus. Let's read Jesus' word. Let's study the life of Jesus. Let's, let's follow the example of Jesus. Let's be like little Jesuses running around, full of grace and truth. That's the point I'm trying. Jesus is full of grace and truth. And most people don't like the second part because when you're full of grace and truth, it sometimes doesn't look like grace. But the, but truth is always the most graceful thing there is. It's always truth is the most graceful thing we could tell somebody. So, thank you, Lord. Okay, secondly, we grow in grace by becoming more Christ-like. A little redundant, but the truth is, you can know about Jesus, and that doesn't mean you're like Jesus. And you can know a lot of things. We talked about this Tuesday night, college class. Uh, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Be you doers of the word, not hearers only. So just because we know about Jesus doesn't mean we're conformed to Jesus. So the second thing is we grow in grace by becoming more Christ-like. This is God's plan for each of us, Romans 8, 29, the great verse. Romans 8, 29, that God planned for us to be conformed to the image of his Son. He predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his Son. Uh, he didn't predestined some to go to heaven and some to go to hell. He predestined everybody to be conformed <laughs> to, to his son. And those who don't get saved obviously can't be conformed to his son. But those who are saved, our goal in life is to be conformed to the image of Christ. To let that image be implanted on us. So the first thing we see about Jesus becoming like Christ is that, is that Jesus loved Enabled him to have grace. It was his love. And Pastor Tim's been talking about the attributes of God so wonderfully for the last several months. And uh, but I, I don't know if he taught about grace, but uh, grace actually is not an attribute of God. Grace is what comes from an attribute of God, because God is love. Uh, grace is extended. And uh, we can't extend love if we don't have grace. So because of Jesus' love, he extends grace. And God is love. So because God is love, the result of that is grace. The result of that is kindness. The result of that is all the wonderful things about God. That great verse that sort of proves that, John 15, 13, Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. It was his love that caused him to, to lay down his life. And, I, and we, we, we see the, where Jesus learned that or got that. 
Jesus said that uh, in John chapter 17, I preached this at the Father-Son camp, Jesus said, the love that you've given me, I've given them. And the, that great verse, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave. That's the word gave there is grace. God loved the word that he graced. <laughs> he graced us with Jesus. God so loved the world that he graced us by giving his son to die on the cross. So the love of God, the love of Jesus, is what causes him to have grace. So when we have the love of Christ in us, we have grace. And again, they go, they go hand in hand. That's why some don't seem like they have the love of Christ in them, because they don't have grace, because it goes together. Okay, next bullet under that. Jesus' love causes us to have grace. It's his love that causes us to have grace. For the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, <coughs> then, then that's love. That the, Jesus would love us so much he would die for. And that love constrains us. That love motivates us. And when we have the love of Jesus, it causes us to have grace. And uh, thank God for all the classes that's going on. I Walked through the building the other day to get tracks, and it was so exciting seeing people going to the attitude class and the and the <coughs> love and respect class. And one couple, the wife was going to the attitude class, the husband was going to the love and respect class. <laughs> they didn't they didn't know which to go to. They so they were trying to divide and conquer. <laughs> And all those things are wonderful. But the truth of the matter is, if we had the love of God, uh, we wouldn't need those classes. Amen? If we walked in the love of God, uh, we'd just say, I got the right, at right attitude. I don't need somebody else to tell me to have it. I have love and respect. I treat my wife right. Uh, I treat my husband right. We, we have a godly home because we have the love of Christ. It, it constrains us to... Give grace. And some of you have heard this over the years. Sorry to be redundant. But if you talk to my wife today, she's a wonderful <coughs> wife. She would do almost anything for me. But she would tell you the only reason I love Mike Robinette is because I love Jesus. She, <laughs> she would be the first one to say that and to admit that. Amen? Because <coughs> we all know that if we didn't have the love of God, we wouldn't... We wouldn't be uh, worth being around, amen? amen. We, wouldn't, we wouldn't have any grace. That love of God constrains us. Thank God for that love. Then the <clears throat> next bullet, Jesus loved his enemies. Luke 23, 34. <clears throat> that verse that reminds us when Jesus was dying on the cross. Father, forgive them. That was his enemies he said that to. His enemies who beat him. Nailed spikes through his hands and feet. Beat him with that whip. <clears throat> raised him on that cross. Spit in his face when he asked for a drink of water. Blasphemed him. Jesus said, Father, forgive him. That's grace, isn't it? It can't get any more graceful. That's the picture. Of grace. We'll never arrive to that. But that's our example. That's what grace is about. And so that's why we fall short of it. But because Jesus loved his enemies... So must we love our enemies. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to them that despitefully use you. 
Say, well, if we can't love our wives, we sure aren't going to love Muslims. Amen? <laughs> if we can't love our husbands, we aren't going to love our neighbors. So it starts at home, the Bible says. And so <clears throat> we have to have the love of God. When we love our enemies, this is free. Sometimes your wife or husband is your worst enemy. <laughs> so, we, so we better learn to love our enemies. <laughs> Those of you who are thinking about getting married and you're so romantic in love, that same person one day is going to look like your enemy. So learn to love your enemy. That was free. <laughs> so the best advice you got all day. <laughs> Jesus forgave his enemies, so we must forgive our enemies. Uh, it's almost uh, easier to love your enemy than it is to forgive your enemy, amen? Because, you know, we can say, I love you, but when we forgive somebody, that's when we put that love into action. Forgive our enemies. It's an amazing thing to forgive your enemies. I still, to be, <clears throat> to be truthful about it, there's about, I think, maybe two or three people. Some of them have gone to heaven, so don't have to forgive them anymore because they're gone to heaven, but... There's about two or three people in my life that, that I still struggle with that. I mean, it's over years that I still have to struggle with. Help me to forgive them. Help me to forgive them. One, one person was somebody who hit, who hit my mother. And uh, yeah, that's just hard to forgive somebody for that. Amen. It's almost like the unpardonable, unpardonable sin. And some of you could stand up and give testimonies that would shock us. That, that, some, that what somebody, somebody has done to you and by the way I've done things to people I sure hope they forgive me I sure hope that they say God help me to forgive Mike Robinette so Jesus said if you want to be full of grace you gotta you gotta forgive you gotta forgive people Jesus showed grace to sinners Luke 8 18 13 that prayer there where the guy said I'm the the good the Pharisee said he was good. The sinner said he was a sinner. He confessed, and Jesus said uh, he's the one who went away forgiven and justified. Jesus forgave sinners. There wasn't one sinner that <clears throat> approached Jesus that didn't find mercy. He preached to the Pharisees and forgave the sinners. I love that song. Maybe some of you remember the song <clears throat> from years ago. I can't think of the artist right now, but uh, Jesus... Uh, Loved the sinners, and he accosted the comfortable. And that's Todd Agnew. Uh, yes, wonderful song. They quit playing on the radio. It was so heavy. <laughs> so we must love sinners, as we talked about last week's lesson. Jesus showed grace to the lowly. Matthew nine thirty six. We talked about that just a moment ago. It was in last week's lesson. But Jesus looked on the multitudes. He saw these people that were lowly, and uh, that's why I love to go to India and tell the, out, the untouchables, tell the untouchables that uh, there's somebody who loves you, and that's Jesus. The untouchables aren't allowed to go to the schools where the others go. They aren't allowed to go inside the temple, even though they're Hindus. They aren't allowed to eat in the same restaurant. They aren't allowed to sit in the same car. Uh, it's a wicked thing, that caste system. But thank God that's not Jesus' system. Amen? Amen. Jesus loves the lowly. Yes. He loves the lowly. 
And there's something about human nature. There's something, and I have the problem with it too, and you would, you do too if you're honest. There's something about human nature that we gravitate to the high and we go away from the lonely, from the lowly. It happens in church. I see it all the time. Uh, I see it all the time. And James, James and uh, Paul addressed that. James said, if there comes somebody in your, in your church, and they're the, they're, they're the outcast, as it were, and you uh, show favor to the rich person, to the person who drove in in the Mercedes-Benz, to the person who's got the three-piece suit on, if you do that, James says, you don't understand what grace is about. We all have to deal with that, don't we? All of us. And, and the, this, is, this is free also. <laughs> when we're in church, I always address it. When we're in church, it doesn't matter how much money we got. It doesn't matter what kind of car we drive. The lowly is as important as the big shot. And there are no big shots in God's church. Amen? Amen. Jesus showed us that. <laughs> Jesus said, this is grace. But you... You hang out with the lowly <laughs> and teenagers. This is something teenagers need to get preached to because they're, we're, they're so prone to have cliques. Uh, and, and, if the, and if the kid's not cool, I'm, I don't listen to worldly music. I only listen to Christian music. But you can hardly go into a store, especially where, it's, where there's young people without hearing that song, The Cool Kids. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about because you heard all the cool kids. That's the, that's the teenager's philosophy, isn't it? I only want to be with the cool kids, not Jesus. And Paul addressed that in Romans chapter 12, verse 16. Paul said in Romans 12, 16. Okay, you don't have it? All right. <laughs> Thank you. Paul said, be the same mind one to another. Mind not high, high things, but condescend to men of low estate. I can't prove this, but... I believe Paul was sitting in a church service watching Christians. <laughs> and somebody of low estate came in. He was ignored, but the person who, who had it together, they just were surrounded by their friends. That's just some conjecture there. But anyway, the Bible says to condescend of, to men of low estate. If they're retarded, condescend to them. If they're handicapped, condescend if they're lonely if they're dirty if they're stinky and anybody who knows me knows that i'm a germ freak i'm a germ phobia if you did if you never shook my hand i'd be happy <laughs> if you wonder why i hug you it's because your shoulder's cleaner than your hand i got all this figured out but the other night lisa can attest to this the other night when those dirty, filthy, homeless people stuck out their hand, I shook their hand. Because Jesus said, condescend to people like that. Be a friend to people like that. Okay, lastly, we grow in grace by living out our new life in Christ. We grow in grace by living out our new life in Christ. I know some of you are never going to get over that song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we grow in grace by just acting like who we are acting like Christians not faking it but being who we are we are Christians 
We are people of grace. We are the one who has the Lord of grace. We are new creatures, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Uh, and because we're new creatures, we're, we're creatures of grace. That's who we are. We're to be examples of that. Our lives should be characterized by grace. And then to live out this new, this new life, we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, the Bible says. Great study on this is Ephesians chapter 4. It's like Ephesians chapter 4 was written so that we could put this grace into practice. But verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So notice the word spirit there is capital spirit. It's talking about our own spirit, our own mind. And that great verse, Romans chapter 12 be not conformed to this world, uh, but be, re be renewed in, the, in your mind. Let your mind be renewed. And that's what the Bible does. The Bible renews our mind. That's what being filled with the Holy Spirit does. It re renews our mind. That's what learning about Jesus does. It renews our mind. It transforms our mind. And the point is, unless our mind and our heart is changed, we cannot be graceful people. We cannot live out, live out grace. And thank God for Jesus changing our mind. Again, this is redundant for anybody who's been to youth camp, for those who've heard me teach and preach. But uh, one of the amazing things happened to me when I became a Christian is Jesus renewed my mind. Renewed my mind. Uh, he renewed my p political thinking. He renewed my, he renewed my moral thinking. He literally renewed my mind. My mind was just full of garbage, full of sin, full of the wrong philosophy. And Jesus renewed my mind. And when he does that, then we can have grace. So a lot of people's mind hasn't been brainwashed. <laughs> you have to get your brain washed, washed with the blood of Jesus, washed with the word of God, uh, washed with the Holy Spirit. So we do believe in brainwashing. If you haven't been brainwashed, you're just a dingling walking around <laughs> thinking you got it together, trying to be nice when you can't. I mean, that, can you imagine? That's the most miserable person who tries to be nice. They can't because their mind hasn't been changed by God. So that's why, that's why it's hard to get along with some people. They can be nice one day and the devil the next day because they're trying so hard, but they just can't do it. They haven't. Let Jesus transform them, and they aren't living this out. Okay, the result of this is a testimony of grace. Well, Pastor Luke Lane has heard me say this so many times, but if we just took a few verses in the Bible, it would take a lifetime to master them. And these, these are a couple of those verses that you know, we say, Oh, Pastor Mike, I've got the Bible mastered. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> we, there's, we've probably got one or two verses mastered. <laughs> we're, we're far from it. But this are, these are verses that will help us to live out this grace. Ephesians 4, 30. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Amen. It's impossible to live that without grace. I promise you that. 
You cannot even begin to live out that verse without the grace of God. Be kind, tenderhearted one. Every home ought to have that verse plastered. Every marriage couple ought to have that verse plastered. Uh, every Christian ought to, to think of that. Before we open our big mouths, <laughs> we need to think. I'm a person of grace, and before I speak, I've got to let all bitterness, evil speaking be put away from me. With all malice, be tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven me. That's, the, that's living out grace. Uh, Colossians 4, 6 says, speak with grace. Speak with grace. It's a wonderful blessing to be around people who speak with grace. It's a wonderful thing to have a boss that speaks with grace. It's a wonderful thing to have a wife who speaks with grace. It's a wonderful thing to have a husband who speaks with you. It's a wonderful thing to be in a house where children speak with grace. Yeah, that's few and far between, amen? What I'm talking about is few and far between where people speak because the love of God comes out. The, the character of Jesus comes out. What we know about Jesus comes out. And uh, you know, if I spoke, it would be disastrous. But when I speak what Jesus would speak, it's, it's a blessing. So I have to work on that. We all have to work on that. Then lastly, having the mind of Christ Jesus results in having grace on others. Paul declared that, said, let let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who thought of others first. That's what grace does. Grace thinks of others first. When we're trying to be first in line, that's not grace. When we're trying to get the biggest piece of meat, that's not grace. When we're trying to get the best seats, that's not grace. When we want everything comfortable for us, that's not grace. When we want uh, things to go our way, that's not grace. When a husband says, I'm the leader of the house, everything goes my way, that is not grace. Grace is putting others first because Jesus did that. And he put us first by dying on the cross. So thank you for listening to these eight lessons. Thank you for letting me teach. Thank you, Pastor Luke, for giving up your time to teach. And uh, let's do this. Let's, I'm going to have everybody bow their heads and raise their hands. And I'm going to have Pastor Luke come up here and stand here and dismiss us in prayer. And, and bless, ask God to help us to put all these practices that we've learned these eight weeks. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.